Malolele, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Kohoko Hingwa, Kokoroe Hawkins. Coming up, all her people of the Cook Islands will mourn the passing of our Queen and will miss her greatly. Pacific countries mourn the passing of Queen Elizabeth II and... We are the single largest free market in the world and access uh, without quota or without duty to the European market is a great opportunity. The European Union in the Pacific looks to step up its economic investment and trade focus as countries emerge from the pandemic. Before we get into the programme, some news to hand. Vanuatu will go ahead with a snap election on October the 13th this year, following the Supreme Court's dismissal on Friday of a case brought by the former opposition MPs, arguing that the President's recent decision to dissolve Parliament was based on unconstitutional and unlawful advice. The former opposition leader, Ralph Regenvanu, has been quoted on social media stating that they will review the judgment before deciding whether to appeal. This is a developing story and we'll have the latest developments as they come in on our website rnzi.com. Also, New Caledonia's pro-independence parties now say they will meet with the junior French overseas minister, Jean-Francois Korenko, after they ruled out meeting him last month. The minister will be in Noumea from September the 12th to the 15th. The parties say they will only discuss the territory's accession to full sovereignty with the minister. FLNKS spokesperson Charles Ware says Mr Karenko's visit is to analyse the reactions of certain parties before engaging with all of them. This meeting is to engage a dialogue before talking to the entirety of the pro-independence parties in New Caledonia. He is analysing the environment after what happened on the 12th of December 2021. He will engage in the discussions based on reactions he received at the meeting. The pro-independence parties refused to recognise the outcome of last December's independence referendum, the third and final under the Numea Accord, as the legitimate expression of the will of the people of New Caledonia. The passing of Queen Elizabeth II has resonated across the Pacific with leaders paying their respects and acknowledging the legacy she's left in the communities. Flags are flying at half-mast around the region in a show of respect for the Queen, who was 96. Susanna Suizuiki has the story. During her reign, Queen Elizabeth visited the Pacific several times. Her most memorable visit was to Fiji and Tonga in December 1953, shortly after her coronation. She attended the opening of the Rarotonga International Airport in 1974. In October 1982, her tour included Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Nauru, Kiribati, Tuvalu and Fiji. The Cook Islands Prime Minister Mark Brown acknowledged the Queen's passing in a speech. All her people of the Cook Islands will mourn the passing of our Queen and will miss her greatly. I'm sure that I share with all of our people the deep admiration and respect that we held for our Queen. Her Majesty leaves behind an enormous legacy of dedication and service to her people. Fiji's Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama posted his tribute on Twitter. Fijian hearts are heavy this morning as we bid farewell to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. We will always treasure the joy of her visits to Fiji, along with every moment of her grace, courage and wisdom. 
were a comfort and inspiration to our people, even a world away. In a condolence message from the Papua New Guinea Prime Minister, James Marape referred to Her Majesty as Mama Queen. Papua New Guineans from the mountains, valleys, and coasts rose up this morning to the news that our Queen has been taken to rest by God. She was the anchor of our Commonwealth, and for PNG, we fondly called her Mama Queen because she was the matriarch of our country, as much as she was to her family and her sovereign realms. God bless her soul as she lays in rest. May God bless also King Charles III. Her Majesty's people and PNG shares the grief with our King and his family. The government of Niue also issued a statement online expressing condolences. Premier Dalton Tangilangi had this to say: "The passing of a most extraordinary woman who reigned for over seventy years, her faithfulness to her duties and dedication to her people, was the reflection." Of a most remarkable leader. Other Pacific nations which have paid their respects to the Queen include Tuvalu and French Polynesia. It's understood that Tonga Prime Minister Huakave Meliku Siasi Sovaleni will be issuing a statement very soon. The European Union is looking to step up its economic investment and trade focus in the Pacific region as countries emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. All but a handful of Pacific countries have now reopened to the world, but they are still just at the start of a very long road to recovery. The ambassador of the European Union for the Pacific, Sujiro Sim, says while there are many great initiatives and support being offered to island countries to help jumpstart their economies, the true engine of growth in any country is still its private sector. I caught up with Sujiro Sim during his recent visit to Wellington, New Zealand, and started by asking him what the current development and aid focus of the EU was in the Pacific. Well, it's uh, it's quite simple because our uh, strategic priorities for the Pacific are all included in our new European Union strategy for cooperation with the Indo-Pacific, and it is translated in operational terms in what we call the Blue-Green Alliance between the European Union and the Pacific. Which sets the、uh, main priorities for engagement for the years 2021, 2027. These priorities are three. The first one is on climate action and environmental sustainability. The second one is on inclusive and sustainable economic growth. The third one is on fundamental values, human development, and peace and security. So everything we do in the Pacific、uh, is framed by these、uh, three priorities. Then the way we do it、uh, differs from one place to the other, but roughly speaking, we have bilateral, national, country-level engagement. We have regional programs and we have thematic programs. Our country-level engagement takes the form of budget support, which means、uh, we transfer funds directly from the European Union to the budget of the Pacific Island countries to support a sectoral reform. The reform in one particular sector. So, just to give you an example, in Fiji we support rural livelihood, which is agriculture and food security. In Solomon Islands, we support water and sanitation. In Tonga, we support、uh, energy, the energy transition. In Tuvalu, we supported、uh, waste management. Now we are discussing, of course, the next phase of our engagement. We will keep working on budget support because we think it's a, it's a very good tool. Uh, but in Fiji, for example, we will switch to、uh, support to the implementation of their climate law. With our Pacific、uh, regional programs, we identify issues which are better dealt with at the regional level,、uh, and we have five of them. 
One is on uh, regional economic integration, so it's about business, trade, support to the private sector. The other one is about marine issues, so engagement on the oceans. Then we have uh, the Pacific Waste Management Project. Uh, we have a public finance management uh, project. And finally, we have uh, uh, the Pacific Partnership to end violence against women and girls. Then, of course, on top of that, we have a multitude of uh, thematic projects. When I ask the team how many projects we run, the answer is uh, clear. It's a number, but it's quite high. It's 156 projects for a total value of 665 million euros, so roughly 1 billion uh, New Zealand dollars. Mm-hmm. Thank you. With the, There's been a frenzy of activity across the Pacific in, in, in recent years with uh, the influence of China increasing and the countering from all various parties. Has that affected any of the EU's operations or how you do business in the Pacific? So, of course, we see and uh, we witness the intensification of uh, the geopolitical competition in the Pacific, which manifests itself indeed with an increase of high-level visits, uh, both from uh, China but also from the U.S. and its like-minded partners. Uh, In this competition, The position of the European Union is very simple. We do not take sides. Uh, That's the reason why our uh, Indo-Pacific strategy is called the uh, European Union strategy for cooperation in the Indo-Pacific. So our goal is not to contain one country or the other, but uh, to respond to the needs of the countries themselves. So that's the guiding star for our action at the national or at the regional level. Mm. So we're very happy, for example, that now we have the 2050 uh, strategy for a blue Pacific continent, which is probably the main substantial income, so, sorry, outcome of uh, the recent Pacific Island Forum leaders meeting in, uh, in Suva. The other good outcome of this meeting was, of course, to get the Pacific family back together after the, uh, the rift with uh, the Micronesian states, even though uh, Kiribati, of course, uh, confirmed its, uh, its withdrawal. So we, uh, we can see that there is an intensification of uh, the geostrategic competition of the rivalry between uh, superpowers in, uh, in the Pacific, but we do not take side in this uh, battle. And our only priority is to focus on uh, the needs of the countries and what we can do to improve the situation in, uh, at the country level and at the regional level. Mm. From, the, from the forum outcomes, was there anything new or um, unexpected in terms of changing the approach uh, that you has in Pacific, or is it a continuation of the ongoing work? Well, it was not a disruptive Pacific Island from leaders meeting in the sense that indeed there is now a 2050 strategy for a blue Pacific continent, but its content is very much in line with what we anticipated as the main priorities. And it's normal because the main priorities for the regions are well known. Uh, it's mainly about uh, resilience, climate change, uh, sustainability, uh, oceans, uh, unity, uh, people-centered peace and security as well, and uh, innovation and technology. So those are the seven key priorities in this uh, strategy. And they um, match very well the strategic priorities of the European Union in this part of the world. So there is nothing really groundbreaking, but I think it's a little bit like our own strategy. Uh, The main purpose of this strategy and the main added value is that it exists. So they did not have it before, 
and we recognize the amount of efforts and coordination and discussion they put into conceiving and launching this strategy. And it's very good because it's a, it's a very good platform for our engagement with the region. Mm. The fact that the Pacific Island Forum uh, family got back together is also a very, very positive outcome, despite the, the, uh, the, uh, the withdrawal of, uh, of Kiribati. Uh, I was there in Suva, and it was uh, great to meet with the leaders of, uh, of Micronesian countries. So it's really good news because uh, with the uh, mounting challenges the Pacific has to face, uh, maintaining a united front is the best possible answer. And I say that as the representative of the European Union, which is uh, probably the most successful uh, regional grouping in the, in the history of mankind. And uh, speaking of that, you, you're a long way from the Pacific. Like, what what is, I guess, what does the EU get out of being in this part of the world? I think it's not uh, a transactional relationship. It's not about what we get out of the Pacific. It's about what we stand for. So worldwide, we stand for the principles of democracy, good governance, human rights, the rule of law. And because those are universal values, we need to uphold them also in the Pacific. It's also uh, about our responsibility on uh, global issues, on climate change, for example. So our engagement on climate change is really motivated by the need for us to do what we need to do to reduce carbon emissions at home but also to tackle the negative impact of climate change everywhere in the world. And certainly the Pacific Island countries are the most exposed countries to the negative impact of climate change. So this is a good enough justification for us to act in this part of the world. When it comes to uh, the role or the perception of the European Union in the Pacific, I think our role as a development partner is very well recognized. It's totally credible and legitimate. So now I would like to turn the ship a little bit and focus more than before on uh, the economic, trade and business dimension of our relationship, which is uh, very often underestimated. We are the single largest free market in the world and access uh, without quota or without duty to the European market is a great opportunity for the private sector, for exporters, for value chains in the Pacific. So I think we have to put more effort on that. We do it through the economic partnership agreements, which are trade agreements, which give duty-free and quota-free access to the European Union market. Uh, but we have to do more in that area. And also because uh, the war in Ukraine shows us that uh, Global peace and uh, security is not uh, to be taken for granted. Uh, this is also something we have to address worldwide. Thank you. And I guess tying into that with the emerging from the pandemic, is there a stepping up of that sort of market access, economic output as well in relation to just coming out of the pandemic for Pacific economies? So coming out of the pandemic, the motto for everyone, the European Union member states or Pacific Island countries is to build back better. But to build back better, you need resources, of course. Huh? So it's about recovery. And recovery, again, it won't be fueled by overseas development assistance. Uh, regardless uh, how much money we want to invest, the real driving engine for growth, for income, is always the private sector. So the private sector is motivated by profits. And to make profits, you need market opportunities. That's the reason why I think it's uh, the time now to step up on our engagement at the economic, business, trade, and investment level. 
So to take the example of the economic partnership agreements, we have one with uh, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Samoa, Solomon Islands. We are finalizing one with um, Tonga, and we receive expression of interest in engaging in the negotiation with Vanuatu, Tuvalu, and even Niue. So it means that uh, all the leaders, all the governments in the Pacific, like everywhere else in the world, are very much aware that they need to create more business opportunities mm. to recover from the pandemic uh, and the economic crisis, which was caused by the pandemic. Malao Pito, that brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Malao.